And then there was the cave. Would you open God's precious holy word to the 141st Psalm? The last time, well, the 140th and 141st Psalms are very similar. The 140th Psalm dealt with uh, David's prayer and song and state of affairs when he was very young, serving the king, in the, King Saul, in his court. King Saul would get angry with him, threw a spear at him once, and he would have to hide. But sometime later, David became a war hero. He was more mature. And King Saul had just about fallen into complete madness. And so he began a pursuit of David to kill him. Out in the wilderness, wherever he was, he was chasing him, he and his army. By that time, David had put together a small army. And within the small army were his, were his mighty men. You can read about them in the Old Testament, the great things that they did. They weren't afraid to take on a lion by themselves. They weren't afraid to take on a whole village by themselves. They were just very courageous men. His 39 mighty men. They get separated from one another. And Saul is in hot pursuit of David. And he knows David is just anywhere and can hear him if he calls out. And so he taunts David and Saul's army taunts David. David found a cave to hide in. You've read the story many times. The Bible in the King James Version says that Saul went into the cave and parted his robes. He went to the bathroom. And David is hiding in the shade over here watching this whole thing cuts off a little piece of his robe for proof that he was that close to Saul that he could kill him so that's the backdrop of the 141st psalm then there was this cave so much of David's life was spent trusting the Lord when his enemies were out to kill him and they were that close to him and he was helpless except for the promise and the presence of the Lord. So David's cry was, I need you now, hasten to me. A song of David, Yahweh, I called you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call out to you. This is a cry of desperation. My prayer shall be established like incense before you, the lifting of my hands as the evening offering. Now keep that in mind because the evening offering was offered by the priesthood. There was a burnt offering at the brazen altar, the brass altar where the sin offerings were dealt with and then in the, holy, 
in the holy place, just inside the holy place, the golden altar where the incense offering was made. So sins were dealt with. A worshiper would acknowledge his unworthiness and his need for a sacrifice. And he would offer his prayer and the lifting of hands was symbolic of the lifting of the incense, which was symbolic of the prayers of the worshipers being lifted up into the presence of, of Yahweh, even to the point that it was depicted as going into the nostrils of Yahweh. And it was a sweet-smelling savor to Yahweh. And the incense had a, had a, had a special group, list of ingredients the list of which was to be used only for that purpose. And so when you read the things that went into the incense and, the other, the, and in, a, in a way it was used for oil, uh, in a special oil and for special cases, you can, you can just imagine when you read the list of ingredients how aromatic it was. What a, as a matter of fact, it's, <clears throat> it's been... Somewhat duplicated in, in recent years. There's no way to know <clears throat> how much of this and how much of that. So people just take a guess. But the, the oil that, that, that is produced today that is supposed to be something like it is just a wonderful smelling thing. So as it was, as it was burned, it, the, the, the odor, the aroma of it lifted up. Well, David couldn't always be <clears throat> at, the, at the place where the, the articles of the tabernacle were. That's where the priesthood worked. And it was the priest's job at the evening sacrifice, the evening prayer, to make that, those two sacrifices, the sacrifice at the brass altar and then the one at the golden altar, the incense altar. And so he says... This is the evening offering. I can't be there. But the best thing that I can do to you is call out to you with an established prayer. And what he means there is that the offering for sin has been offered. And now he's lifting up his prayer to Yahweh. So here is David in a place where it's time where when it's time for the evening offering, he does the best he can do, though he cannot be in the presence of what used to be the tabernacle and is now in a stable place, but where the priesthood do their work. He had no priest, and so he just, just directed to God. Why? Because he has a need. And in his need, he acknowledges that his sins are covered and that he is lifting up a prayer that he wants to ascend into the presence of God. God, hear this prayer. Take this prayer and hasten to me. The king is just right over there. And he wants to kill me. 
I'm sure his guards are just outside and then right down from the hill there would be his whole army. And my mighty men are separated from me and the other couple of hundred that travel with me are out there and I'm alone. And I need help and I need it now. I am in danger. My prayer ascends to you. Hear my prayer. Just like I was praying at the evening offering. Just like the incense lifted up before you at the time of the evening offering. Do not incline my heart to do an evil thing. Well, there's Saul right there. Here's my sword. He's kind of busy. The last thing on his mind is that somebody is going to thrust a sword right through him. But David was a man of faith. Even the things that seemed the most obvious when it involved even a previous action of Yahweh, such as allowing Samuel to anoint Saul, David would not arrogate himself to the position of being someone who could dare think that he could correct what Yahweh had done. So he knows it may take a while, but Yahweh is going to take care of this. Yahweh, place a guard for my mouth. Watch the portal of my lips. Now these people are saying bad things about him. Even, even the men who are with Saul, the army, they're yelling out, they're laughing at David and they're, they're calling out all of this. We talked about this before, the misinformation, the lies that have been told on David. So they're calling him names based on these lies and, and the disinformation that, that some from Saul's court were spreading among the people. The easy thing for him to do then would, be, would have been to, to, to counteract that with lies of his own against Saul. Yeah, but Saul did this and he did worse things. Let me tell you what he, well, he wouldn't do it because it wasn't right and it wasn't true. That was a temptation. It also was a temptation to go ahead and kill Saul, cut his head off and walk out the entrance to that cave and lift his head up and say, look, remember, I'm God's anointing. He didn't do that. That's not the way. David acted. That's not the way he worked. He didn't assume to do the things that he knew God would do. So here's his prayer. Do not incline my heart to an evil thing to perform deeds of wickedness with men who work iniquity. I may not partake of their feasts. I'm not who they are. That's why I'm Saul's replacement. Saul is who he is and his men are like him. But that's not who I am. And so, guard my heart. Guard my mouth, my lips, my words, my deeds, my action. Don't let it is so easy. I want to kill this guy so badly. But I cannot. Don't let iniquity come into my heart. Restrain me. Don't let me partake in their activities. I am not them. This is the heart 
of a righteous man. And so David says, if I need to hear something, I'm open for it. I will listen to it. I will accept counsel. May a righteous man strike me with kindness and reprove me. May the oil of the anointment of my head not turn my head away. For as long as I am at my prayer, it is about their evils. David knows he has experienced it already in his life. When he has a great need, his great God will intervene and give him what he needs. Uh, this, this particular psalm has Hebraistic phrases that are difficult to translate. It could be translated a righteous one or the righteous one. And if you translated it that way, you'd have to capitalize the R of righteous and the O of one. And it would speak of the Lord's Christ. Whatever the case, God will send the one he needs to fill in the gaps of his life, to strengthen him, and to take up where David leaves off. May the oil of the anointment of my head not turn my head away. Don't let me be arrogant and don't let me think that this anointing of my head makes me something particularly special. It does not. That's why I'm humbled in prayer. I'm not praying about how great I am. I'm praying about the danger that I'm in and how you're the only one who can deliver me from these evils. I will let God judge my enemies. And this is an extraordinarily, uh, this uh, verse 6 is really difficult in the Hebrew, but it's something like this. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff. And they hear, for my words are sweet. They will be overthrown in the way God sees fit and, all, and in all of the circumstances they will hear for my words are sweet. It is not my place for vengeance. It's God's place for vengeance upon his own. And personal vengeance is, is not in the plan of God. You won't see that. You won't see that as a primary force in the life of David. He was a warrior. He killed a lot of people. He led a lot of armies into a lot of battles and a lot of people died by the edge of the sword of David's armies. But it wasn't for his personal vengeance. It was for the sake of the people of God and for the protection of the people of God and to protect the great promise of the Christ which had been deposited by God into Israel in general and to David in particular. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, our bones are scattered at the mouth of of the grave. Now that thought continues. It's a comma here. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave. 
And I won't stay there. I'll move on by faith. And so it concludes here, but to you. Now remember the thought. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave. But to you, Yahweh Adonai, O Lord my God, are my eyes. I took shelter in you. Do not cast out my soul. Guard me from the snare they have laid for me and the traps of the workers of iniquity. Now it goes beyond that cave. David has already faced many, many temptations and trials and dangers and traps that have been set for him. Remember, Satan was listening when God through Samuel anointed and separated David as his choice for king. So David becomes to the world and to the God of this age public enemy number one. And it's very simple and easy thing for Satan to influence the nations that surrounded Israel. But that, that doesn't matter. David knows that his help will come from God. God has made a promise. God has made a covenant with David. And David in faith knows that that gives him some particular protection. Guard me. When I start going this way, stop me and let me go that way. When thoughts begin to gather in my mind that really are thoughts of iniquity, sweeten my thoughts with your presence, the presence of your Holy Spirit. Because I've taken shelter in you. You are, are the rock over me, sheltering me. Guard me from all that they have done. And may the wicked fall together, each one into his own nets, until I pass by. All the things that had been said about David. All of the, all of the intimidations and accusations about David regarding Saul and Saul's household and Saul's reign. All of those things, frankly, were put to rest by the divine hand of God as God moved in the life of David and even in the life of Saul such that when Saul finished his business in the cave and came out of the cave and got back on his horse and they were separated from David a good distance David then emerged from that very cave holding up a piece of the robe of King Saul and says to them don't you think if I was the man you said that I am, I would have killed you, O king. Here's proof that I could have. I was this close to you. My blade was drawn. It was nigh unto your flesh. But I cut the robe and spared your flesh. Because I am not the person to take you down. Can you see how the wicked then would all fall together in their own nets and everything that they had said, all proven, even Saul. All proven 
to be untrue. Faithful man who did not establish himself as something important. He established the way of God above his way. And he thoroughly and absolutely trusted God to deliver him. And he knew that if he tried to deliver himself by his own devices, in the long run it just wouldn't work. He would fail along the way. But it didn't happen that way. And when David emerged from that cave, everyone, though they may not admit it, everyone saw that all that they had been saying, all that the king had been saying, all were lies, deceit, and disinformation. And David, though not yet placed on the throne, in the eyes of all of those who were there, including his soldiers and mighty men who were hiding, In, their, in the eyes of all of those men, that day, David became a greater man. He became seen as a man of God and not a man for David. So when the time comes and David becomes king, the common soldiers of Saul's army would have no hesitation at all to pledge their allegiance to the new king, King David, because they saw what kind of man compared to Saul, especially, David was. Well, we get from that that God directs every avenue of our lives, every step God is with us and we are just called upon to be people of faith, never to be people of vengeance and to trust God that he will accomplish his purpose in every detail so that finally even when we face the deceit of the world the wicked will fall together into their own nets if they had, if they had never set the traps for David there wouldn't have been a trap for them to fall into until I pass by until all of this is put behind me and all of the wrong things are made right well let's pray together and we'll finish Father, Lord we're humbled in your presence that you take regard for everything in our lives. And daily we pray that we will grow in our faith toward you and rely less and less on ourselves and more and more on you as we grow in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.